Welcome! This is According to Callus. This is episode 190, entitled, Am I the Only One? Well, it is Friday. It is the last day, or last weekend, if you will, of early voting. The primary is March 1st, which is extraordinarily early, if you ask me. But this time in particular, I'm almost grateful for it. We have had almost continuous campaigning. It just seems like it never ends. And honestly, this is one of those situations where I ask if I'm the only one. I mean, I'm looking, listening, and just wondering what in the world. Now, let me give you a couple of examples. So, we get lots of flyers, lots of mailers. And honestly... If you would have asked me a year ago, I would have said, well, yeah, you know, these people are kind of similar. They're you know, on the same wavelength and, you know, they're they're solid Republicans. You know, I might quibble on who's more conservative or whatever, but yeah, I wouldn't doubt their basic credentials uh, with the exception of uh, George P. Got no use for him, but pretty much everybody else that's running. Yeah, they're OK. Uh, some are better than others. Some are, you know, have some weak spots or whatever else, but then when they go against each other, it's like they literally just make stuff up. It's like they find the most extreme, crazy example, turn it to a 12, and then try and sell it to their supporters. And it was humorous when I got a flyer indicating that Eva Guzman is a liberal. Eva Guzman. Now, you can be unhappy that she's running against Ken Paxton. You can be unhappy that, you know, she left the Supreme Court, the Texas Supreme Court, to go run for attorney general. I, I get it. You can say that uh, maybe we're not happy with this issue or that issue, but to call her a liberal. It just kind of really took me sideways. And then, of course, the person referring to her as a liberal is, in fact, the, the nephew of a former One World president. Oh, that would be the previously mentioned George P. So for George P. to call somebody a liberal is just kind of funny, if you ask me. And, you know, I don't know what to say about it. Now, again, turning up the crazy, in my opinion, to a 12. So I'll be grateful when the primary is over. Now, I know we're going to get runoffs in probably three or four races, maybe five. I'm... I'm okay with that. And when it's down to two people, you're going to have a clear choice. You get this guy or you get that guy. You get that one or that one. You know, we don't know what's going to happen in Congressional District 3. We don't know what's going to happen in conditional, Congressional District 4. I mean, it's a possibility that the uh, governor and lieutenant governor are going to runoffs. God, I hope they do. Um, The runoffs are never good for the incumbent. I don't have all the answers, but what I can tell you is what we've been doing clearly isn't working. Yet, if you're listening and if you're looking, we're being sold that all the time. And then the people that are selling us the other side of the story is, oh, they're the evil, most terrible person in the whole wide world. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm the first person to say, Van Taylor, you disappointed me. Greg Abbott, you gotta go. Lieutenant Dan, boy, you're a disappointment. But to go from that 
Two, they're the most evil person in the world. They must die. I mean, of course, I'm exaggerating, but not by much. The irony of the fact that there is no conciliatory nature to any of this. The last two election cycles have been quite acrimonious. I mean, I don't have to be enthusiastic about somebody that I'm going to vote for. It's helpful. It's preferred. But I don't want to be hating on their opponent that's maybe two or three shades different than they are. Now, you can't polish a turd and convince me that it's a stake. But on the flip side, and this may be a bad analogy, but look, I all I know about steaks is I like them rare and I enjoy them. <laughs> I, I'm sure that they're the best cut of meat if is the best cut of meat until you take that lesser cut of meat and you prepare it nicely and you season it and whatever else, and it could be just as good, maybe better. So you can have a lesser candidate or one that's not perfect, but with a little bit of effort, with a little bit of uh, interaction, they turn out to be better. Likewise, you can have the best candidate that spoils over time. And then they need to be tossed out, retired, not eaten. However, I mean, just use the analogy how you see fit here. The point is, is that I get tired of fighting my own people, fighting my own team, fighting amongst themselves. I mean, we got Allen West fans that are busy attacking Huffines fans and the Huffines fans are like, oh, wait a minute. And I thought we all just wanted Abbott to go. And then going back and attacking West fans. And then you got the Chad Prather fans that are like, what's wrong with you guys? That's the problem. We need to deal with Abbott. I feel like if we can't keep ourselves focused on what's in front of us, we're not paying attention. We took our eyes off the ball. So I ask, am I the only one listening? Am I listening to what's going on? So here we go. Another example. So the pandemic, such as it was, is pretty much about over. So now we need a war. And the Ukraine's being invaded and this and this and this and this. How do how do we get here? What kind of games are being played? What are they trying to sell us? You know what? I, I don't really know. I do know what we're being told is almost always the, not the truth. It's almost always a direct lie or a fabrication or a wild exaggeration. So it's going to excite the people to get them involved. Well, honestly, as much as I would love for Ukraine to be a free and independent state, um, they're friends with the Russians. They have been for a long time. And just because we installed our own preferable government there doesn't mean it's going to stay forever. We talk about plebiscites and people choosing their own rulers for centuries, yet we don't follow our own example. Now, I'm not excited with the notion of the reconfiguration of the Soviet Union, but it's kind of inevitable. Since our own empire is crumbling and we beat our chests and say we're so upset, but we really don't care. We don't. 
the the American government has been manipulating events for so long that they're really just upset that they're losing control. That somebody else is filling up that power vacuum that they're leaving behind. And as the general American public sits here, we're wondering, wait a minute. Why are we messing around in this country again? What is going on there that is our concern? What? Why? We can't even secure our own borders. What are we going to do about Ukraine? What are we going to do about Poland? Nothing. There's nothing we can do. We had hundreds of thousands of men over in Iraq and in Afghanistan. For what? For 20 some years. We fixed things, right? They're as bad or worse as they were before we went in. It was an inevitable. You get involved in things that you can never fix. You cannot change history. You cannot undo civilization without complete and utter destruction. Quite frankly, I have zero desire to do that. I have zero desire to go over there and remake the world in our image. Because quite frankly, when you look at our image, it's not that great. And before you lump me in with all the revisionist CRT people, no, it's just the reality. We're all fallen. We all fail to measure up, even to our own expectations. I don't wish to destroy the past to write a new history. I just want us to understand that which has happened in the past is likely to repeat in some rhyme or reason again. And we should be prepared for it, and we should do better this next time around. It's not too far of a stretch to wonder, am I the only one that's actually looking at what's going on here? When I look at what's playing out in front of us, I can't help but wonder, how did we get here? What did we quit paying attention to that Texas, which was once the shining light in the state level compared to the other states, with our own government of the federal United States, we were the best. We're not anymore. How did that happen? Who's responsible for it? What are we going to do about it? Then we look at the United States as a whole. And, you know, the previous president said he was going to make America great again. And I guess to some extent, maybe we shine things up a little bit. But that was quickly revealed to be not really the case when we got the resident in chief that we have now. And, and, I, and again, I don't believe for one minute that that was a legitimate outcome. But it is what it is now, and we have to deal with it. We're going to have to fix it going forward. But really? Do you really expect me to believe that 80-some million people went and voted for that guy and are okay with what's going on now? I don't believe it. Not for one second. Now, I know there's a whole bunch of people that hate on Trump. Look, I wasn't his biggest fan either, but are you looking at what's going on? Are you really thinking this is a better situation? Are you really feeling that we're in a more secure place? Indeed, uh, whether it's the uh, Florida Governor DeSantis or the uh, retread of Donald Trump, all they're going to do is say, were you better off four years ago than you are now? It should be a slam dunk. A slam dunk. And while I have zero confidence that by putting a bunch of guys in place with an R after their name is going to fix anything, they at least pretend to care about what we think. They pretend to have similar ideals or similar concerns to what we have. But I'm going to tell you, if they don't feel the pressure, 
if you're not nudging them, if you're not pushing for what we want, the right things, defense of liberty being first and foremost, we're just going to get another boot. Another boot. And someday, when the full-on tyranny dystopian future is the current present, we're going to wonder, what did we do and how did we get here? So I'm asking, am I the only one that's looking? Am I the only one that's listening? I hear the same cacophony of news garbage every time I hear it. Now, I got to be honest, I don't watch the TV news anymore, period. Doesn't matter what channel. Very rarely listen to the news on the radio. Because it's the same thing every day. Garbage. Now I have podcasts. I have stuff I can pick up on the net that I just kind of glance at for world news. And the reality is, it's probably still better than what's put out by the certified news networks. Because they're selling the same propaganda. And pablum garbage. That gets people to watch. Now... You know, I've paid attention a little bit more as I've been doing this podcast, how people advertise and put their product out. And it's the most extreme thing. I mentioned this in previous episode where they just dial it up to a 12, right? It's the most extreme example. But that's, that's not reality. Most people just don't care about it. Now, maybe that's how you sell it. Maybe you just literally make stuff up to get people off their butts to do things. But here's the thing. If somebody doesn't know anything, do you really want them to be involved? Do you really want them to have a say? It's our job to make sure that those people that don't know anything actually do get engaged and do learn. But until they do... Is it to anybody any good? Oh, yeah, yeah, look, look, I understand. And both sides are getting pretty good at it. You recruit people. You say, here's your slate. Go vote for it. Don't ask any questions. Really? I mean, I understand we're kind of in a battle. We're kind of in a fight for control. And you're going to take anything you can get in order to prevent the bad guy from winning. And both sides feel this way. But is it really going to get us a net positive outcome? So you sold a bigger group of people this time around on your talking points. And then, of course, you're going to fail to deliver on it. And then question why they abandon you or question why the the support you have is ankle deep or question why there's no follow through when the people have no idea what's going on. So I'm wondering, I'm wondering what it's going to take. I'm wondering, where is it that we're going to finally get the breakthrough that we've been promised and we've been thinking and working for for so many years? Now, I don't know all there is to know about Austrian economics, but I can tell you what I do know seems to make a whole lot more sense than pretty much everything I was taught in college economics courses. And I don't mean to disparage the microeconomics side of it. I felt that was pretty good and very relevant if you're going to be in doing things in business. But the macro thing is just such a mess. It's a muddled mess. And they... The premise is, is that government can fix things. And once again, I say, government doesn't solve problems. Government creates them. And if they didn't create them, they make them worse. Why do we keep running to government, asking them to fix things that we don't need them to touch in the first place? Both sides do this. Both sides are guilty of it. And yet, 
again and again and again. We just keep doing the same thing. So I'm wondering, at what point do things change? At what point do we get to the tipping point? At what point can we feel that, hey, you know what? 5% of the population actually understands what's going on now and they're going to take a stand. That's a shocking amount, being that it was 3% that was enough for the revolution. Now, I had an interesting conversation on Sunday where a gentleman I was speaking with said that he didn't believe there was a biblical grounds for the American Revolution. Now, I've kind of heard this before, and normally I would just dismiss it outright, but this guy seems to know his stuff. He seems to be interested, and he wants to have conversation. So you know what? I'm going to go out of my way to spend time talking to him about that very subject and probably several others because I'm interested to see what his mindset is and why does he think the way he thinks. But the temptation, and again, this is on both sides. You run across somebody, they don't think the way you do and you just blow them off. You ignore them. Well, that's a mistake. It's a mistake. How do we make things better if we don't understand what the other side wants, what the other stand is concerned about? Now, granted, if they're communists, they're communists. And they shouldn't be given any quarter as far as I'm concerned. But your average run-of-the-mill person wants nothing more to do with communism than you do. So you got to take the time to invest in the relationship to help them explain. I mean, the churches teach this, right? When you speak the truth, you need to speak in the love. You can't go bash people upside the head and tell them you're going to hell because of this, this, and this. You can, but it's not very successful. But if you meet them, you get to know them, you explain to them the idea is you're supposed to redeem the people you're supposed to redeem the country and you can't do that if people don't understand what's going on so i'm wondering when are we going to do that when are we going to get that couple percentage points that make the difference now you've got a few people and look i i know there's some people that this is going to grade on them but look there are a lot of people that do yeoman's work. They do a lot of work, a great service to our to our society and our country and the humanity for that matter. I've mentioned them before. It's Chris Ann Hall. It's Tom Woods. It's Brian McClanahan. There's a number of other guys. I mean, look, there's even this guy, Jack Spearco. Now, uh, I got to admit, I've kind of checked out on his podcast for a little while because I've been busy with other things. But boy, he helped me get my head straight on a couple of issues that were very pressing. And while they might not be your cup of tea or maybe his uh, radical form of individualism might be too much for you, hey, look, these people, they put it on the line every day, all the time to educate yourself. I mean, for instance, look at Ron Paul. I mean, he didn't have to run for president in 2008 or 2012, but he put the message out. He went out there and he did the work. He put the message out that, hey, liberty matters. There's literally ways that you can do this to improve it. And you got the folks out in Moscow, Idaho, working with Doug Wilson. I mean, look, you don't have to agree with everything they do, but they're doing the work. They're making a difference. They're, they care about what's going on. These are things that you need to look into. These are things that should inspire you to want to learn more and do more. I can't think of anything better than to name drop on this occasion. I can't do it all. I, I am just a very, very small potato 
But if we keep working, put our nose down, learn what there is to learn, see what there is to see, listen to the things that we need to be listening to, then we can start filling the holes. We can start explaining things to people that are looking there, listening, and wondering what's going on. And if we have those answers, or if we can at least point them to where they can find the answers, we're going to be in a much better situation. I got to tell you, that's one of the reasons why I do what I do. I mean, it'd be very simple for me to come in and bash this person or bash that person or say this candidate stinks or this issue stinks or I don't like this person because they disagree with me. That'd be very easy. I mean, heck, I, I'm sure it'd be more entertaining. I get more listeners from it. But I'm trying to approach this from the idea of this is who I am. This is what I stand for. Now, whether you agree with me or you disagree with me, this is the reasoning behind it. Be open enough to understand where I'm coming from. Do your own research. I'll speak my opinion. I'll I'll throw down with anybody in a discussion, an open discussion. And they might wipe the floor with me. It hasn't happened recently, but it could happen. And I'm okay with that. Let's have the discussion. That's how we both get better. That's how our listeners get better. That's how we defend liberty, honestly. If people don't understand what's happening to them, how can they possibly defend themselves? The building blocks are your family and your direct community. Whether it's your church or your civic community, it doesn't matter. Start out your back door. Again, I am left with the final question. Am I the only one? I don't believe I am. The way that I know I'm not is because some of you have shared the show. Some of you have liked the show. Some of you had made comments on the show. I see some of you in public, out in the real world, and you say, oh yeah, man, I listened to your last episode, it was great, or really appreciate the fact that you talked about this or that. That's great. Now, I'm not going to lie, it kind of is a little bit of an ego boost every now and again, but the reality is it's got to make a difference. The way we make the difference is by making a little bit of change, by being open, by having that discussion, and that's coming. Hey, the McKinney First people... They're gearing up for their Think On It's again. Uh, as far as I know, they're going to invite me to uh, moderate some more discussions. I want to be fair. I want to hear both sides. I want to hear the multiple sides. I mean, there's not always only two sides to an issue. You libertarian folks out there, man, you got to be willing to come out of that tower of yours and come and talk with the rest of us. Look, my Republican friends, my conservative friends, They make the same mistake often where they go to government to solve their problems. But the reality is, is the free market doesn't solve them unless somebody's there to explain how it can do it. I'm inviting you. Be involved. Come Come sit down and join us. Some of you that are libertarian leaning, ah, man, that's me. Come show up at some of these uh, Republican events. I mean, if the Democrats don't want you, come join us. I mean, I'll give you cover. I'll... I want to hear what you have to say. I want your involvement. Hey, look, man, if you got a D after your name and you and you want to come talk, I, I'm all ears. I'll be happy to hear you out. 
And you'd be surprised some of the things that we might actually agree on. But the knee-jerk reaction that everybody has right now is I got a different letter after their name. Uh, They're the opposite team. They need to just go away. That's a mistake. The vast majority of us agree on probably 70% of the stuff. We fight over 5 or 10% of the stuff, usually being manipulated by other people that don't have our best interests in mind. And I'm, for one, tired of it. This is what I'm looking and listening at, and I just wonder, and I think to myself, am I the only one? I'm not. I ask you, join me. Here in the next couple of weeks, and, and, and this was something that I've been talking about for over a year. Look, I uh, I was blessed to be able to go to a men's Bible study off and on for the last year or so. The uh, the leader of that um, men's Bible study has gone home to the Lord. That's freed up my Wednesday nights for the foreseeable future. I'm not sure what the form is going to be. I'm not sure how it's going to play out. But I'm going to dust off the idea of the Liberty Book Club. We're going to start with a concept of God and government, I think. Just as a basic entry-level book. I'm going to find that book. I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk about it. And I'm going to invite you to join me at a time and a place not yet decided. I'm counting on the feedback here. I mean, just one, two, three of you say, yeah, Stephen, we would love to do that. Let's sit down. Let's read this book. Let's talk about it. Let's have a discussion. And honestly, I don't care if you agree with me or not. I just want to hear. I want to talk. I want to want to see where can we grow, where can we understand each other better. This is how we change. This is how we improve. This is how we rebuild our communities by being willing to sit down and talk with people. My church talks about this thing called the table, right? Where we're going to have these conversations, where we're going to talk about tough things, where we're going to talk about challenging things. We're going to be open and honest with each other. Well, look, I know a lot of people that are not comfortable talking about family. They're not comfortable talking about personal things. But those same people are equally not comfortable about talking about social, political, and economic issues. But those are far less personal and can be done from a more objective view. And it's a starting point. So I'm going to suggest to you that my mission in the next few months is to find out a way I can do this. Find out a way that I can launch this. And... (laughs) Assuming my wife goes along with this latest scheme of mine, I'm going to announce it. Maybe a week, maybe two, but we're going to we're going to find a way to make this happen. I appreciate any feedback I get, whether you go to my Facebook page, whether you send me an email, whether you text me, whether you just make a comment on this podcast. I'm in McKinney, Texas. That's in the heart of Collin County. When I moved here, it was, quote-unquote, the reddest county of the reddest state of the country. I don't know if that's true or not anymore. All I'm concerned about is can we protect and can we promote liberty? And if we can do it with a bunch of guys with R's after their name, great. If we have to throw a couple guys with D or L after their name in order to hold other people's feet to their fire on issues that they're poor on, I'm open to talk about it. We've got to work together on things we agree about and maybe agree to disagree on other things. I told uh, an individual last night, hey, you know what? We can agree 
or I'm sorry, we can disagree without being disagreeable. The person looked a little upset, like I was implying that they were not. I said, no, no, no. That's exactly my point. We're doing it. We have done it. There's no reason why we can't disagree without being rude and mean to each other. Sometimes our emotions get the best of us. Sometimes issues are very emotional. But if we can at least be open and talk about these things in a non-confrontational manner, I think we can make things better. I look forward to making that happen. I'm asking you to think about it, pray about it, and be prepared to respond when the time comes. And with that, this is According to Callus, and Election Day is on the 1st, and then we get a break. Thank God. Hey, y'all have a great weekend. See you on the other side.